episode number 11 and in this one Caitlin and I are talking to Jenny Parrish from Country Dahlias. She is an icon in the Australian Dahlia world having sold tubers to most people who grow them and she is also famous for the open garden she holds down on her property in Victoria. So let's get into this bonus episode number 11. It's the Quince Flowers podcast. All right Jenny, well welcome you're an apt title, but can you tell us a little bit about Country Dahlias, Jenny? Okay, it was never planned. 28 years ago, our little school won an idea for a fundraiser, and I told them they could have the garden, and that's what actually got it open. So it was never planned. I had 3,000 then, because I just fell in love with them, a little passion. So it just went from there, because I kept collecting them, and I still do. <laughs> but anyway... Um, yes, and it was um, yeah how it went. So I've been growing them for 46 years now, and um, yeah, 28 years I've been selling them. Yeah, met a lot of lovely people through it, but certainly keeps you home all the time. So, but no, it's been good. I think a lot of people got their start from buying tubers from you. I know Caitlin and I both did, Jenny, but like I think you've started a lot of people on their Dahlia journey too. Yeah, well, I, I said I fell in love with them. And they weren't all that popular, like only the last few years I've started being. But as far as, um, you know, what plant gives you four months flowering? And, you know, the more you pick them, the more they produce. You get the tubers. There's such a lovely range of colour and all the different types. So they are a very giving plant. And, um, and they're a plant for all year round because, as you know, Jenny, in your testament to it, there's something to do every month of the year, really. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want to. It just goes into, like, if your soil's well-drained, you can leave them in and yep. pick them up either every year or every second year and put them back. But we've got pure clay soil, plus I'm selling them. Um, I need to dig them all because if it gets too wet, they're like a potato, they'll just go rotten. So I dig them all and then they're divided and stored in foam boxes in sawdust with just a tiny bit of moisture, not much. And so, Jenny, just going back to how you got your start, was it... So you divided the tubers and then sold them for the school or was it they used to come and visit um, the garden? No, well, the school actually, they had stalls and the kids made thank you notes and the parents did a barbecue and it was yeah. just really just a fun day in the garden. Oh. And, um, it's like an open day, which yeah, it was. It went for one weekend a year. Yeah. And yeah, so that's how it all got started. But I got the sales for the tubers. But they got everything else, like the admission and the food and like the money they made off their stalls and all that sort of stuff. Oh, and even as before you even had a business, you were going 3000 which... No, uh, sorry, my auntie gave me a box of values. We built our house ourselves. It was a kid home just in the paddock and she gave me a box to have colour nearly straight away because it's roughly eight to ten weeks planting the flowering and that's when I fell in love with them and started collecting them joined the Dahlia Society and um, made a lot of friends there as well. So, yeah, no, it's been good. But this year is my last. I'm not going to be able to keep doing it. So I'm hoping I can find someone, a younger version of myself, but who knows, to take it on. Someone very hardworking, Jenny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, my husband helps and he's very good at designing stuff. Like he made a, a planter that goes behind the like the tractor that can plant 250 in 15 minutes. That's how all the paddock's done. Uh, the blades, of course, all done by hand because it's staked. Yeah. And then he made a weeder, which we sit in for the paddock, and it's actually 
we fit in underneath a ride on mower in hammocks, so with a cover over the top for shade. So that's that's really good. So um, all those sort of things with him helping made a big difference. Yeah, and every year so when, be, when I was planning, I eventually filled the top paddock, and then I asked, "Can I have the bottom paddock?" And then every year I used to pinch more of that. <laughs> and then it got to the stage and thought, I don't know, want any more paddock. <laughs> it's too much. It's about two and a half acres all in Dahlia's and the whole lot yeah. come up every year. It's a, it's a real pilgrimage to go down the country, Dahlia. It's like talking to people within, um, like talking to other members of the Dahlia Society here in Queensland. They said that you've got to see it. You've got to check it out. So, so Jenny, with this being your last year, would this be the last, uh, like this autumn, would that be the last chance to, to go and see it while while you are running it? Yeah. yeah, we're open from the 12th of March to the 21st of April. Every day except Friday, we're closed on Fridays. Oh, jeez. I, I would I, I think, yeah, I've got to go. <laughs> I've got to see <laughs> yeah, it. Well, spoke, we've spoken a lot over the years, Peter. It'd be lovely to meet you. Oh, Je- I think I have to go too, Jenny. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Jenny, you've said some things to me that have just really stuck in my mind. Like one of the things I remember talking to you, um, it might have been a year prior or something, and you said that every year you learn something growing dahlias, and gee, it's so true. Like there's always something yeah. to learn. It is, and they sort of talk to you. Sounds silly, but like no. in the hot weather, you notice the leaves go a bit droopy, like they're just relaxing. But if they look droopy in the shade or droopy for no reason, there's even a reason it's either needing water or there's a problem, like whether they've been eaten off at ground level, like by a cricket or something, or the tube is starting to rot. So they sort of do. They talk to you and let you know if something's going on. And a lot of times people think, oh, they've got virus, but a lot of times it's just an insect, you know, like white fly or soup, it'll suck the colour out of the leaves. And then when they get a hot day on them, they go all sort of funny and they look, you know, they look sad and sick. But yeah, most times that is just um, an insect or the leaves are crinkly and that's a mite that you can't see. So if you can spray, like with a stomach spray or a mite spray, um, you'll find all the new, most times the new leaves are all good. Yeah, I mean, so, that's that's something that we encounter here a lot is, is yeah. we, we cop it right. all here in the subtropics, yeah. You know, people say, oh, it's mud from the leaves, and people say, oh, that's virus, pull it out. You know, and virus is fairly obvious. If you've got a virus, um, I was told many years ago, um, if the colours on the top of the leaf are the same underneath, mm. it probably could be a virus, but a lot of times it's just, you know, just insects or something. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting, Jenny. I, I I can see how that would be the case. Someone once told me too that, like, if you see if you see the yellowing coming from a vein, there's a fair chance it's virus. Where if it's just on a on on a uh, you know the rest of the leaf, then it's most likely yeah, like you said, like a white fly or a mite issue or something. Yeah, and as I said, I've been growing them now forty six years, or going on to forty seven years now. Um, and an old, older guy many years told me, he, and it's stuck in my mind, he often says a dahlia, they nearly all have virus, it just needs something to set it off. Yes. Like mm-hmm. a bit of stress or something like that. So um, whether that was true or not, but, you know, a lot of the old guys, you know, pretty good to what they said. No, Dr. Pete Hemmett, we interviewed him for this podcast, Jenny, and he said uh, it's impossible to have a patch without virus. Yeah. It's... You can only have a patch that's still free. 
yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and he's a very knowledgeable man, a lovely man. Uh, I've met him several times. And yeah. Jenny, um, when you were first growing, were you growing for an exhibition? Like, I'm thinking you had 3,000 all these flowers. No, I just loved them and I was on, I'm on a farm, so yeah. that's why I could keep pinching more and more paddock, you know. <laughs> um, no, it's all land and plants. <laughs> yeah, I know, I just love the colour. No, I never ever, Jim Reynolds was a guy that used to be well known many years ago in the Dallas, and he tried to get me to show, and sometimes he'd come down, get rid of that, get rid of that, that's not show quality, and I'd say, it's stop. And, and, you know, most people, when they come, the show quality stuff's absolutely beautiful for showing. But if you want eye-catching, eye-colours and all that for your own garden, that's what people mostly go for, just the genuine gardeners. Yeah, just the, yeah, the beautiful ones. Yeah, and look, Not everyone's taste is different because there's so many different types. Like people say, oh, what ones do you recommend? And I said, whatever you like. Mm. <laughs> Not what I recommend is what they, their taste is. So, Jenny, just if if people come to visit you in this March and April, they could um, they can go around. I know you've got a display garden. Can there's a lot of display gardens. Oh, a lot of different. Yeah, um, there's a house sort of in the middle, and then there's all different display gardens. The big front display, um, I use canna lilies there as a windbreak for the north and the west wings. And they grow great with the dahlias. The dahlias are only a foot or 30 centimetres growing off them. And they're a really great companion. So that helps with the wind. And then you've got all around the house, which is house garden plus dahlia beds. And then the big display out the back, it's got about 900 in there. You can walk in with them. And they're all state and named. So it's like a living catalogue. And then beside the house, when you go out through another fence, is the two paddocks which make a lovely show just in mass because wow. they're not staked. We grow them about eight inches apart to help hold one another up. They're quite close yeah. together to prop them up. Yeah. I picture that. Wow, it sounds beautiful, Jenny. Yeah, Amazing. when people come, I, I hope they all look at the good flowers because I'm running out of time to be heading and my brain zones in on all the dead ones. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that as gardeners, problem they see the weeds and not the beauty. Yeah, yeah. No, it really is a wonderland of colour when you see it. Um, it's $8 admission to come in, but that includes tea and coffee, so people are welcome to bring a picnic lunch, and that's um, plenty of tables and chairs and a couple of gazebos and places to sit under. I tell people the tables and the chairs are musical. You can put them under trees or wherever you want to go with them. I've had people come in on a bus and think, oh, we don't even like dahlias, you know, and they go away with a different idea altogether. Yeah. Oh wow. You know. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much. For, if you like, if you like flowers, there will be a dahlia for you. Yeah. It's amazing, Jenny. It's great to get a picture of it. Um. Because yeah, we we you know both ordered for you from um, for about five well, years now. Yeah. Yeah. And I just and, hopefully someone will take it on because yeah. and it will be hard. Like like I call them me babies, but. Um, and sometimes I'll look at something and say, I'm not planting you next year. And then it comes planting time and I think, oh, put just one in. It's <laughs> <laughs> off with them. <laughs> but when I, have, when I sell, I'll only be able to keep a certain number. So um, I've got to get rid of a lot. Yeah. So you're still going to keep some, Jenny? Oh, yeah, I'll keep some for myself. Half a reason, like I haven't been real flash on and off. So then when I got really cooked at the end of September... 
Um, and then it went right into the orders. It was just so hard. I just couldn't catch up. I'd been humming and hiring and I thought, no, this has got to be it. So this year I'll be open and then I'll sell um, not as many orders as what I had last year because I'll cut it off. But, um, yeah, it's just getting too hard. Yeah. Apart from getting older, I'm not a young chicken anymore. <laughs> your, mind, your mind stays the same, but the body and that tells you different. <laughs> yeah. Now, Jenny, no, talk, no. talking a little bit more about your patch, um, yep. uh, you're a big believer in cow manure, aren't you? We use chook manure because it's oh. the only one we can buy by the truck on trailer load. Oh, okay, yeah. So yep. it comes out of a grower shed, so it's, all, it's mostly mixed with shavings or rice holes or something like that. Yep. So it's not real strong like it is coming out of the layers shed. Yep. Plus, I always get it about uh, it's always at least twelve months old before I use it. And is that a yearly application that you're putting on? Yeah, we put that on every year. Yeah. Yeah. And how how because you pl- you you have just finished planting in January, Jenny. I just finished planting a week ago. <laughs> a week ago. <laughs> so how when did you because. When do you apply the chicken manure? Like, because it takes a long time. It goes on when, um, well, the ground, Arthur works all the ground up for me. Yeah. And then um, it goes on probably just a couple of weeks before we're ready to plant, and then he works it all in and forms the rows up. And because it's 12 months old, you can put it on a bit like compost. Okay, yeah. Because I said, it's because it's got all the rice holes or shavings or sawdust or whatever they put in the layer shed. Not so the layer shed, the grower shed. It's not. Pure chook manure. Yeah, and just let the worms do the work. Yeah, and I use it a bit like compost to help because we're clay, so it helps the soil as well. Red clay, Jenny, black or brown. But I I imagine your soil where you grow the dahlias is just after this many years, it'd be beautiful, wouldn't it? Around the house, it is. Yeah, it's really good. But in the two paddocks, yeah, it's slowly. It's we used to put in. um, We have had bought loads of sand and that in, but. The last couple of years, we've just let it go. It just depends how wet it gets through the winter. Yeah. It goes real cloggy. Yeah. I have been known to, um, when you're digging in the paddock, your rubber boots get stuck. Yeah. And you keep going. You pull your boots out and just keep walking with your socks. Because <laughs> <laughs> you put the tubers down and put your boots on. So it doesn't happen all that often, but <laughs> it's not much fun when it gets like that. That we used to get start it. digging early May. And I can oh, as many out we can before it gets too wet. And and then Jenny, with your, do you add fertilizer on top of the manure or just the manure? Um, a little bit of fertilizer. It's more yeah. for the stems. It's called Crop Lift Eight Hundred. It's like a super mix. Okay. They use a lot with potatoes and that. So I just tell them it's like KFC. It just has all the herbs and spices in it. <laughs> <laughs> It's all in one. So it's just like super with different colours in it, yeah. But it only gets a little bit. Like in the display, they would only get about a teaspoon around each one. Oh, and that and that's when that Jenny when they're starting to come up or before yeah, you put plant. that in the paddock. It's worked in with the chook manure. Yeah. But in the display, I just do it once they get up a little bit. And you oh, pick right. a day when it's going to rain or something, or you hose yeah. it in so it doesn't burn the leaves. Mm. And, and, and Jenny, do you do with a, do you do potash as well? It's got potash in it. It's got everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's got potash in it. You don't put that on your dark foliage one, so they don't like it. So oh, okay. Leaves. Yeah. Ah, oh, right. That, I don't so know. That's your normal green leaf ones are fine. 
I've got a, I've got a, I've got chickens here, Jenny, and I, I've thrown a couple of tubers and stuff in there that I've thought, oh, they won't grow. They haven't got a, ne- they haven't got a, um, a neck on them or eye on them, and <laughs> I find myself, oh, is that a dahlia in the coop and <laughs> going in there and rescuing them? Yeah, that's one thing. Like when you like buying dahlias, like um, I like to plant real small stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Slightly to rot than a bigger tuber, but people think the bigger the tuber, the bigger the plant, but it's not. The main thing you've got to look for on a tuber is that it's got a good strong neck and that it's got an eye. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter what the tuber looks like. It can even be cut in half with the spade when you dig it, and it'll still grow as long as it's got a good neck and an eye. And if you're not sure, put them in as two or three pieces or put one each side the stake, you know, you have a backup. Yeah, yep. And that's why, Jenny, you send, you send towards the October, November mark. Yeah, well, they don't start showing any eyes before October. But I've seen people sending them, you know, through winter and, you know. Yeah, but they can't. It's so they kind, of, kind of grow because sometimes 50% on the, the tubers might make eyes. Yeah. And others yeah. might make a lot of eyes. It just varies. But there's a lot of duds that don't ever make eyes. People plant them and think, oh, they are too hard. They won't grow, but they haven't got an eye on them to start with. They've got no hope of growing. And so that's, yeah, that's why yeah, we have to educate people on yeah, yeah, you've got selling this eye. Down our way, they don't, up your way, they start moving because it's warmer. But down mm. here, they don't start moving before October. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's super important. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Jenny, I'm guessing with... Because you've got 28,000 dahlias in the ground? I plant about 20,000, 20, yeah. 20,000, wow. And did you, because I don't have that many, I, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few hundred. <laughs> but um, I feel like even that is too many for me to be out there just budding every day. Do you, with your display? No, I don't actually just bud. No. Unless something's really lengthy. Yeah, I just don't just yeah. because that's for showing. Yeah. I just want yeah. people to see them natural. Yeah. And the abundance of colour. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny yeah. when you have people here you know, that do show, sometimes yeah. you'll see them walking around and they automatically just is budding because it's just what they do. Yeah. You can't help yourself. And, and I know them all pretty well and you say, hey, hey, these are not for show benches. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's just like, yeah, it's just what And even people grow and, grow and tip out and they've got three sets of leaves. Um, I only do it. Well, I've got too many, but if something's growing lanky, I'll definitely do it. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's something I tell people to experiment with too. If they've got two plants, do it to one, not the other, to see whether what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, with the pinching. Yeah, pinching out. And um, Jenny, uh, with your staking, you just do one stake to a tuber. Yeah. And I use the two-by-one stakes only because people can read the names better. Okay. But your tomato stakes are fine if you just want to hold them. But yep. by using the two-by-one, there's plenty of room to write, especially double names. 
someone might say, Trevelyan Pink Lady, you know, you've got to have like two rows because if you didn't, it'd be down at the ground before you finish writing it all. Yeah. And uh, the wider ones just make it better. You wouldn't be able to see what you've written. No. It's really known to make extensions and back rows with Phoenician blinds, but then they get flapping in the wind. So <laughs> it's not real good either. Uh, the more you can regulate height, like the more water they get, the taller they'll grow. Okay. Oh, okay. So if people give them a lot of water, they tell them you can get them up to six foot or more. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm very oh. guilty of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've done too much nitrogen this year, so mine are far too tall. Anyway. Yeah. Get sun when you're deheading and that when they get too tall. <laughs> oh, I can't. I'm not real tall. No. And I had members of QDS come and say, you should cut deep in your, to your plant, and I have been, like. Yeah. Anyway. I can't. I've watered and I've fed too much, but that's fine. Jenny, wind Chelsea, what's your climate like down there in Victoria in in your next Pretty well what Melbourne gets, we get. Okay. Yeah, we're only an hour out of Melbourne. Wow. Yeah. And we're only but, 20 minutes off the coast, you know, to Anglesey, like Torquay, Bells Beach. We're about 25 minutes. Wow. Not a bad area, really. Pretty good. Sounds, sounds pretty amazing. Sounds pretty amazing yeah, to us. We're only 20 minutes out, out of Geelong, so. Jenny, with the plans that you've got, that, that are staked. Are you? Uh, is there irrigation going to those, or what are you? What are you doing there? With our irrigation, um, when they short, we use um, a sprinkler out of the dam. Yeah. But when they get up a bit, about thirty centimeters, we use a thing called tea tape because we've got a little bit of town water, but it's limited. Yeah. So we've got to be pretty careful. And this tea tape, what we use. Um, it comes in a big roll, so you just cut it off to whatever length of the rows they are, and a special fitting, it just fits into an inch poly. Yep. And we can water the two paddocks in one water, and um, that's about five kilometres. Wow. Of flower beds, and that's all worked off, um, yeah, one one tap. That sounds do that. Very, like a very it, efficient way of doing it. It is, because it's just a slow drip. Yeah. So we let it run for about two hours, so there's no runoff. Yep. But you have to have town water. You can't use dam water or anything like that because it'll block the holes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. But there's all sorts of things, but we've always used the tea tape. And then Arthur made a big reel and that goes on the back of the tractor, and we just wind it onto that every year. And when we want it, we just unwind it and put it back out again. Well, that sounds like that's a go, Jenny, with that many dahlias. Yeah, if you do happen to come down, we'll show you all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we really want to come, Jenny. He used to say he used to do all this to make it easier for me, but I kept putting more in. <laughs> oh. Yeah, anyway. Does he like your husband? Does he like the dahlias? He says he doesn't much, but he does. You hear him talking to people and that when they're here, and, yeah. and he enjoys, yeah, you know... Well, let's just say he got dropped into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an addiction for you. Yeah, he's come along. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I wouldn't be able to do all without him doing like what he did, like with all the stuff with even the tractor. Um, when we weed, he's got um, things he's put under the tractor that weeds the gutters or forms the gutters back up and weeds them, and also weeds the sides of the rows. So when we go through weeding by hand, we just do the top of the rows. Oh. So that makes it a lot easier too. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, there would be a lot to read. <laughs> the front bear is sitting in the hammock underneath, and it's really quiet. It's like he's put what he calls a nappy, but it's a big hump of phone <laughs> between us and the, and the mower on top. Yeah. So it's not loud. It's just a real slight noise in the distance. So, and the big canvas cover like protects you from the sun. So, and I weed a bit quicker than him, so I get it spelled. Oh, I just sit rocking in the hammock till he's ready to. <laughs> we move on. We do four rows a run, so that's yeah. two rows each. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. Well, that's amazing, Jenny. That sounds really creative. What um, he's created. Yeah, he's him. made a lot of stuff over the time. Even my wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow sorry, it's a four-wheel motorbike with a little trailer he made for me, real lightweight. And that's what I do all the put all the weeds and that in, and it's been good too. And the deadheading, I guess you could do. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jenny, when it's like peak time, like, and even dividing time and posting time. Is that just you and him doing all that work? Yeah, well, I do all the cutting up myself. Wow. And he'll help me box up at times. Yeah. Mm. And um, because of the cutting up that many, like it's been hard. I've had carpal tunnel done on my hands, which worked yeah. well. But he rigged up air shears for me, and that's what you use for doing sheep feet. So um, I um, use those to divide the clumps in half. You know how hard they are when you first divide yeah. the clumps? And uh, that's what I use to divide all them. So um, you just have to squeeze the trigger and it just cuts them off better. Oh, and cool. I use real pointy great pickers to do all the fine dividing. Yeah. It's no wonder you had carpet t- tunnels. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, a long while ago, but that's fine. Yeah. 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 But on the farm, like you always got work to do anyway, so. Yeah. No, this is just another sort of work. Yeah. And um, Jenny, with your uh, country values, it's, as we said, iconic. What What is the thing you're most proud of with your business? Probably the amount of lovely people you've met, you know, yeah. and and to see the joy on people's faces, you know, when they come through, you know. That's probably where I get, yeah, my, most of my enjoyment is probably people actually enjoying them, like seeing them in the real. Yeah. yeah. Because you do, it, it is good to see them. Sometimes I can be working in a between the canners and the dahlias, and they don't know I'm there, and you'll hear them talking, and I say, like, oh, "Look at Steve, look at that, hey. <laughs> you know." And you sort of giggle and to yourself because you can tell they're really enjoying it, and like they take heaps of photos. And, yeah, oh, so nice, Jenny. Yeah, it's been it's been good. I said it'll be hard to sort of stop, but I know it's the time. Yeah, and it, uh, yeah, I, it sounds like you're always going to be growing it, growing at least a couple. I'll, yeah, I'll still grow them. I just won't be doing like mail orders or anything like that. Yeah. So I've been doing a little bit of um, growing from seed and stuff here. Could you tell us about how um, like Jenny's joy and um, Jenny's treasure came about? Yeah, I used to before I had too many. I used to just collect the seeds. Yeah. And I used to just plant them in one bed on its own, and I'd plant them, you know, about two inches apart. And then when they come into flower, I'd either, I, when I were in flower, people were coming in and I'd be pulling, what are you doing with those? I said, oh, I'm pulling these out, I don't want them. Oh, can we have them? You know, well, yeah, sure, you know. Yeah. And I'd only keep the ones that I wanted to keep, yeah. Uh, like years ago when I first started, I would have kept all of them. But as you know, as you get on, you've got to be pretty hard. And you put yeah. Seeds. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're quite... Um, like I know, as Caitlin, which you were always after Jenny's joy. 
Uh, oh no, Jenny's treasure. I actually got it this year. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, is, is that one you bred, Jenny? Yeah, it is. It's a beautiful little pink with real dark stems. Yeah, and it's got just a little, I don't know, a fleck of gold at the end or something. Yeah, it's a pretty little thing. Yeah, I probably grew that a bit, probably 18, 20 years ago, I suppose. Oh, uh, and, you know, in the patch, I hadn't seen it for a week, and I walked in, and it was the first one in the row, and it just, it was just, it was beautiful. Yeah. Just a little mini, isn't it? Yeah, a little mini deck. Mini, yeah. Not quite a ball. Yeah. Now, it's, be- it's, it's sort of in between that, isn't it? Quite. Yeah. Yeah, it is beautiful. Um, and Jenny, just what's your favourite dahlia? Don't ask me that. As I say, when I've got to give it, going to keep a few, that's going to be so hard. <laughs> but I don't know how you can we, do it. Can we ask your favourite form, Jenny? Probably, uh, not much special, but I do like the water lilies. Yeah. And the water lilies actually—they say they all go to sleep at night time, but you see it with the water lilies. Have you got any water lilies growing? Caitlin does. Yeah. Well, you go out oh, probably about 5 o'clock and they'll be half starting to go to sleep. They'll be just curl, curling in a bit. And then you go out when it's dark with your torch and they'll be curled in. And wow. they look a bit like a penny rose. Mm. Yeah, check that out. Yeah, they're the only ones you notice that go to sleep at night time. But, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Wow. I, I, yeah. I, I've got to get some water lilies. And I'm going to go out at 5 p.m. <laughs> well, you'll see them. Well, it's still daylight, but late. You know, so that it's half done, and then when it's dark, they, they curl their little heads in. And so, Jenny, look, you can't give us a favourite. Would you have a top five, or you can't do that? Gorgeous. There's too many. I, I do like Jenny's treasure, but there's so many. Yeah. Um, I do love monoliths. Um, that looks like a bit like Bracken. Ballerina, if you've ever heard or seen that. Oh, I have, yes. It's, it's a water lily, pale, pale um, pink water lily. Mm. That's nice. It's just hard. Yeah. Um, they an opaline, like some of the salmon ones. Salmon Joy, that's beautiful. Oh, salmon Joy is one of my originals. Really? Yep. And it's as tough as now as what it is and when I first got it. Wow. Yeah, some of the newer stuff, they slowly throw the centers or they don't keep, you know, yeah. Yeah, some of these old ones, they just go on and on forever. And that's what that was. What Keith, him, he was saying, he was like, you want to breed those like the old stuff that they're still around, like they're resistant to virus, and they're stable. You know, they haven't lost their vigor. Yeah. So if you do come down, if you do decide to come down, come down probably more later March, early April. Well, we finish the shows on the twenty first, so yeah. Yeah, so only because it takes me seven weeks to get them all in. I've got stuff flowering and stuff, and I'm about 30, 45 centimetres high, but they'll all catch up by then. But they'll, most of them will all be in flower by the 12th of March. Gosh, well, oh, I can't wait, Jenny. And um, do you have a unicorn value? Like, is, it, is there one that you might have had but lost, or one you've always wanted? There's been... Um, yeah, there's been odd ones you lose and you say, I don't care, there's plenty of other stuff to look like it. Yeah. But there's been odd ones I've lost that I'd love to get back. But one, I was going back probably about 12 years, I had one called Hyperno, and it was a beautiful medium cactus, but the most beautiful lavender you could get. Anyway, I'd been selling it for, oh God, I don't know, eight or nine, ten years all around Australia. So I did try to get that one back, and everyone 
lost it the same year I lost it. Oh, no. It's just like it had just run its race. Yeah. So it wasn't the way it was growing. It was just like yeah. it was on a time thing and it had, that was it. Yeah. It sounds, I can't, I uh, lavender cactus sounds beautiful to me. Like, Yeah, there is other lavender ones, but this one was just, to me, I just, was very nice. Yeah. But um, a lot of them are, as I said, it's just your personal taste, what you like and. Yeah. I've been really enjoying the yellows this year, Jenny. I got Kim's Christie from you, and um, yeah, that's a nice one. It, yeah, I, it's probably my favourite in the patch at the moment. Yeah, it was stunning. Yeah, no, no, that that's fun. That was one of Joan McCulloch. She lived at Christie Beach. Yeah, she was a really good friend of mine. She's since passed away. The trouble a lot of them are now. Um, and I have to think when I joined the society, I wasn't very old, and I'm thinking, gee, I'm I'm getting up there now too. What? But, um, yeah, no, as I said, I've met a lot of lovely people through it. And the Daily Society is like a big family. Well, you've made you've made a big impact uh, for sure on the on the Australian Dahlia community, Jenny. Like I said, like I mean, I I got my first Dahlias from you, and I know there's so many others that are in that boat. And I did too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, a, lot, a lot of them. Yeah, that have and they are starting to sell them, which is good that the younger ones are taking it on. Yep. You know, because for a long time the florists didn't even want them. You know, they called them funeral flowers. And you think, why? Like, they're so beautiful. But uh, all of a sudden, power the last three years or so, they've just taken off with, you know, just so well. So, but hopefully it all continues. Yeah, I think I think it I think it will for a while, Jenny. At least I, I think I think it will now, because it surprises me. You have people come through the garden that would be late twenties, maybe thirty odd. And they say, oh, we want to get some dahlias because our grandparents grew up, not their parents, grandparents, and it's happened that many times, you know. Yeah. And um, they, they want them for that reason. I've also had people that have come with their husbands, you know, in the autumn, and, and when it comes time for the orders, they passed away. Oh. And there was two of them once in the same year. And I said, look, I'll just give you a refund back. That's fine. No. Can we still take them and can you teach us how to grow them? Because she said their husbands had ordered them. Mm-hmm. And you know what, which I did, and they rang me back and they said it was the best thing that ever happened to them because it got them into the garden. They'd take them to the cemetery and say, hey, look, Joe, look, I grew these, you know, and it made you feel all warm and fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good to think that it got them into the garden and they were growing something that their husbands had actually picked. Yeah. Oh, that that's really beautiful, actually. That yeah. Jenny, is there anything else you'd like to add, like anything no, at all? Not really. Just like to thank all the ones that supported me over the time, and yeah, that it's really, yeah, it's been really good. So yeah, as I said, as you get older, though, your mind doesn't change, as you'll find out down the track. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Your body certainly tells you different, but, but yeah, I'm hoping someone will take it on. That. Like passionate with them. I would love to, Jenny. <laughs> if someone's not too far away, got it? Like yeah. Go and just help them or whoever does, like, I'll be able to help them with anything because you learn as you go through the years with them. And, um, you yeah, know, I'd gladly like to help anyone if they needed it. And help a bit with the transition. Yeah. Or if they ever want to know anything, to just, yeah. Yeah. Bring up or so how, yeah, that's amazing. Any last hints, if you could tell anyone anything about growing values, what would it be? Just the fact is, yeah, just don't, 
the only thing they don't like is wet feet when you first plant them or in that dormant. So if your soil's flat and heavy, try and raise the beds up a bit of height for, for drainage. And don't ever look at the size of the tubers when you're looking at tubers. Make sure they've got a good strong neck and that they've got an eye on them or a little shoot and they should be fine. And when you plant them, if there's moisture in the soil, don't water them until they get up a bit and start drawing moisture from the shoot, from their roots. But in well-drained soil, that's not an issue. But in heavy, wet, clay soil, it is. So, But apart from that, they're tough as old boots. Yeah. <laughs> So just give it a go. When the big fires are on down here at uh, in Melbourne here a couple of years ago, you know, um, Melbourne, like I had them in the paddock all coming into flower because it was a horrendous day. It was in the 40s and it was the wind was that strong it sandblasted them all at ground level. And I thought, oh, I've lost all of them. And then I heard the news that night and I thought, well, I've got nothing to worry about. You know, they all come back. Wow. Oh, wow. Twiddle them up, but I didn't take a top off them. They were just cooked to nothing, and um, they all come back. So you just pruned them off, Jenny? Like just... I didn't prune them off. The hot north gale force winds cooked them to cinders. Wow. They were brown, crunchy to ground level. Wow. And okay. I never took anything off, but I didn't think that survived because I'd never yeah. seen anything like that. It was horrendous that day. And, um, yeah, they all come back, and I couldn't believe it. And I thought it must have been because of the green originally cooling the tubers, you know, that saved them. But, yeah, I was so pretty tough. Apart from the wet feet bit, they, they'll stand up to a lot of heat. And I think on behalf of your community, like, a huge thank you. Because oh, you have inspired so many. That's great. As I said, it's lovely to see all the younger ones in it now. It's really good. Yeah, it's really I fell in love with them many years ago. And that concludes our bonus episode here at the Quince Flowers podcast. It was a real honour to talk to Jenny Parrish from Country Dahlias. And um, that concludes season one of the podcast. We look forward to bringing you season two, uh, perhaps in spring, after Caitlin and I have had a long break. Thank you again for joining us. It uh, has been Caitlin Mason and Peter Mason here at the Quince Flowers podcast. <laughs>